0: Benedict, Director of Outreach Services.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Keith Ritchie, Assistant Director of Outreach.
0: And welcome to Coffee with Kia, where we spill the beans on all things financial aid. Our second installment today is Latest Better FAFSA, Better Future News. So today we're coming to you to tell you all the things that we have learned, all of the evolving information, all the updates for the Better FAFSA, Better Future opening 2425 FAFSA any day now Keith Um, it's opening December 31st we have gotten word on that but there's been a several other things that we've learned in the last couple of weeks and so if you're a college access professional today is a great episode for you to catch up Mm -hmm. on all the things that we've learned since you got trained by us um, earlier on in the semester so we're going to start out by um, doing a little coffee talk uh and Keith our coffee talk today is we have been traveling the state of Kentucky yeah
1: we've been burning up the road
0: burning up the road it harkens back to our days when we were on the road and we lived out of our car and if you went to lunch with us you would know (laughs) our cars are nasty (laughs) in my (laughs) car is where fast food bags go to die yeah um so we've been living on the road doing all these FAFSA trainings. Um, Give me a recap, a funny story, an anecdote, something that happened in the last six months of training that stands out in your mind.
1: Well, it's been a whirlwind because I feel like, you know, we've we've done so many of these and it seemed like every week we had something new to add or to edit as, you know, new updates came in from the FAFSA. But I always feel like some of my favorite moments being on the road with you during during this uh, stretch of FAFSA trainings I know this sounds weird, but it's usually when things go awry. And, like, nothing's <laughs> working out, like, tech-wise. Which is frequent. Right. Absolutely. So uh, it's not like we have a team of people here to, like, handle us on the road. We're so. a
0: two-man show. Right, Our rider right. does not include anybody but
1: me and you. Right. Yeah. So, when, you know, when, like, we'd have a tech issue or whatever, one of us would be frantically, like, searching, like, the back of some auditorium. The other is trying to keep, you know, keep right. the thing moving along. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. I feel like if we had, like, a team of people following us around, recording us as we did this six months of, of FAFSA trainings, there'd be a lot of like moments where something's not working. One of us is up on stage doing our thing. And then we realize like, it's really because I'm standing in front of the outlet that Keith is looking for, that's going to start our whole bit. Like it's usually like something like that, something very comedic. Um, I think about, you know, we had so many scheduled that, we got used to, we got in the groove, and if you've ever given presentations, you know, like, you know, you do it a couple of times and then it's it's just rote memory, right. you know, and mm-hmm. you're like thinking about your grocery list <laughs> while you're giving the presentation. It's multitasking. Right. 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 That's not true at all. I'm always <laughs> only thinking about what I'm doing. Um, but you know, you're doing that, and we got so used to doing it as like a two-man team, mm-hmm. and then, there were so many scheduled that there were times where like you would be in one part of the state giving a training and I'd be in another part of the state giving a training, and I would get to a place where like, you know, I'd pass it on to you, Keith. So now I'm. Right, exactly. <laughs> like we got so used to our routine, our our in our own heads, comedic what? routine. We're our own best, uh, we're our own biggest fans. But um, and then he wouldn't be there, and so I would be like. Well the reason why I didn't just go around to the next slide is because I'm used to somebody else (laughs) handling the slide. Like I just flip flip the slide and then I go like, you know, to the bathroom and check my phone and everyone's just waiting on me to come back.
1: And I will say, like anyone who was a part of any of these trainings, I'm just gonna apologize. If you were part of one where people were laughing at some of our jokes, y'all shouldn't have encouraged us because then we would try to just get that laugh a little bit more.
0: Never encourage. I fancy myself a comedian (laughs) when I'm in these and people laugh and I'm like Right. they like me right. um, and then it just escalates from there and it's never pretty it's never pretty so okay we mentioned it earlier Keith but a mm-hmm. huge announcement came out um in November about the opening date of FAFSA so there's been some rumors in Kentucky some nasty rumors that the FAFSA is opening December 1st right so first up dispel those rumors for us and secondly what was the big announcement
1: yeah so first off December 1st is is not happening with the fafsa Uh, in fact federal student aid announced in november that it will open by december 31st so effectively us at kia the way we hear that is we are rolling with the idea of december 31st being the opening date you'll hear a lot of our outreach counselors talk about this cassie and i as well when we're going around to me if this thing opens up at the tail end of december the way i look at it is it's really january is going to be our big month of really highlighting the FAFSA. And let's say this thing opens up a couple days before the end of the month, you know, instead of December 31st. The way I look at it, if any of you all have ever helped with a FAFSA workshop, the first day or two that this thing opens, it can be tricky to say mm-hmm. the least. You know, a lot of tech issues, a lot of people are on that website at the same time. Right. So the way i look at it is let's let other states work out some of these kinks and then we're looking at
0: you louisiana
1: (laughs) right and then we'll come back in january after break the outreach counselors will be back the college reps a lot of them will be you know they may have a little more availability to help out with some of the workshops that are around the state so the way i look at it let's really just set our sights on the month of january is being our go-to FAFSA month this year.
0: So no New Year's Eve FAFSA parties in your house this year? I don't
1: think so. I will probably be asleep by 9
0: p.m. (laughs) Sleep? We don't sleep. Um, Okay, so if, you know, our staff, a fun thing that our staff does every year, and I think a lot of people do this, is in January we set words of the year. And it's kind of like our intention and the outlook for our year. If FSA set a word of the year this year that word would have been delay Mm. and i say that because some of the news coming down the pike some of the updates we've heard over the last few weeks there's going to be a delay in the processing side of the fafsa of the 24 25 fafsa so Really, what that means is, a student's going to file their FAFSA. They're going to immediately get their FAFSA submission summary. It's going to have an SAI on it. It's going to have um, their Pell estimate. But communication from the college, and even you know us, in terms of state aid and things like that, is going to be delayed. So, talk to me, Keith, about a little bit of a timeline. Like, what are we? What are we looking at? You know, a student files their FAFSA. When are they going to hear? anything. Is it going to, are they, if it's delayed four weeks, are they going to hear February 1st? Like, what do we, what do you think?
1: I, I personally, I mean, everything's gonna get pushed back is the mm-hmm. way I look at it. Um, you know, I don't want to paint us into a corner saying, well, by this date, everything's gonna be working and up right, and running." Right, I don't think we have that information. Right, we, even, we yeah. don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but all I can say is, you know, just, just have that patience and go through the process. As long as we are in line with the FAFSA completed, that's really, to me, like the biggest priority. Let's sure. get as many folks as possible in the line and then we'll sort through it a- as we go. I think you know from what i'm hearing from a lot of colleges some are are considering pushing back certain deadlines on their Mm -hmm. end as well to help accommodate some of the 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 changes to the time frame but the way i look at it is none of that impacts the fact that we need to start focusing on fafsa completion in january february march let's try to knock out as many of those as we can just keep our eyes
0: on that what about verification like what are we looking at what have we heard about verification
1: so you know still some things up in the air uh, along those lines but i will say this my understanding because of all of the changes to like the automated part of the fafsa and you know the fewer financial questions being on the actual fafsa itself because of the direct data exchange mm-hmm. i think it is somewhat um you know possible to predict that maybe fewer people will be selected with
0: verification i agree with that
1: um you know one thing that that, that stands out to me is because of all these automated factors going into the FAFSA now, I, I feel like anytime we override those with some manual information, probably going to get some follow-up stuff. Yeah. One thing in particular that that I'm you know thinking about is the way the family size gets reported on the FAFSA. Right. You know, that
0: override. Exactly. Yeah. Essentially
1: assumes that whatever your tax return had, that's the family size. And then you have the option to say, no, wait a minute, it's not. Uh, you know, and then it basically allows you to manually put in a number of what that family size should be mm-hmm. Anytime that's going to stray away from what the IRS is pulling in information-wise I, I, I think we're gonna have some follow-up.
0: I agree with that and what what we are hearing, too Is that you know if if processing of the FAFSA is going to be delayed mm-hmm. that's also going to delay verification notification and so um, you know students historically would file in October here, just maybe sometimes even as early as four to six weeks later, oh, you've been selected for verification. So that was happening kind of November, December. Mm-hmm. This year, we're looking at much later in the process. And so, um, a couple of like rumors and stirrings we've been hearing is that um, there is the potential to waive verification or mm-hmm. certain verifications the way they did with COVID. You know, with COVID, they were trying to reduce impact on our most at-risk students, and one of those hurdles is verification, and so verification was waived across the board for certain classes of verification, certain types of verification. So we may be seeing that again, I could very much see that being a possibility. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely, and I think, you know, anything that we can do to make this process easier on students, given the changes, (laughs) I think that, you know, I I think that's certainly, you know, I'm hoping, I'm hopeful that some of that stuff might come to fruition.
0: I agree. And now a word from our sponsors. Do you need help paying for college? Your first step is completing a FAFSA, Free Application for Federal Student Aid. The 24-25 FAFSA will be available in late December, 2023 and is more user-friendly. More students will be eligible for aid than ever before. Kia counselors and others are ready to help you. You're not in this alone. For more information, use the QR code or text money to 800-928-8926. Or you can visit gearupky.org money. All right, Keith. So after the break, we were talking about FAFSA changes. We were talking about the updates since our trainings. Um, now I want to ask you, One of the biggest concerns we hear in the field when we're talking to college access professionals, school counselors, things like that, you know, these students are setting up their FSA IDs and that's happening even before the FAFSA opens. Um, We've got connectivity issues in schools. They've got, you know, they block Gmail, they block Yahoo, Hotmail, they block all those frequently used email platforms. We also have like firewall issues and service issues. so we've got kids setting and parents setting up their fsa ids and they're not getting those text messages they're not getting those emails Um, and then now we're going to have to do two-step verification on the fafsa side as well we discovered a lovely solution to all of this tell us the solution
1: yeah so it's actually not a new solution it's been around for a while this idea of using the authentication app Mm -hmm. through that fsa id process is this a safe spot for me to come clean with a confession I always skip this thing <laughs> at a lot of FAFSA workshops over the years. I'm old.
0: I didn't know what yeah. an authentication <laughs> app was. I just was like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Moving I've on. I've always I'm had
1: the school thought, if it's not required, I'm not going to do it. I don't
0: like want them to send mail me a letter, right? I would say like that much might just that. that verification. Yeah. Is I got a letter in the mail. Yeah.
1: here it is. Put it in your wallet. Yeah.
0: Six <laughs> weeks later, I can finally file my password. Right.
1: Yeah. But anyway, you know, I, I've I've had a, a you know a moment where I'm like, okay, maybe this actually has a maybe huge useful purpose to that, enter the twenty first right. century. Exactly. So anyway, I can't speak highly enough about this authentication app uh, set up with an FSA ID. More than anything, guys, it's an insurance policy. Mm -hmm. So if you lose your password, your FSA ID, it gives you another layer of protection to be able to retrieve that easily and quickly. And I can tell you this, I've had an FSA ID for years floating around. I went ahead and tried this out as if I was just someone locked out their password. I went ahead and set up that authentication app. Y'all, it took about a minute to do the whole thing. When we talk about these authentication app, all you have to do is you go on to like an app store on your phone or whatever, and it doesn't matter which one you pick. So, you you know, there are several different companies out there that have their own version of these apps. Doesn't matter which one you pick, you you go ahead and download it. And then there's a QR code that you scan on studentaid.gov. You do that, it gives you a code, and then all of a sudden now, you've got another layer of protection to be able to retrieve that password so you never get locked two-step out. two-step
0: verification. Or the, exactly. When you log back in. The other thing that's great about that is, Keith tells me this story of how he put his phone in airplane mode, he made sure his Wi-Fi yeah. was off, and he still got that verification code.
1: Yeah, you don't have to, you could be totally off the grid and this mm-hmm. thing will still connect via these codes. So, you know, again, like you mentioned, there are certain parts of the state where cell phone service not always 100% a given right. at any particular workshop. So if you have the ability to set up that app, go ahead and do it because you know if you should ever need help getting back into that account, it's you're going to wish you had it.
0: Yeah. That's you know it doesn't it doesn't translate it doesn't com- compute in my brain. <laughs> like, how does this stuff fly through the air <laughs> from the computer to your mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Not smart enough for that part. Um, okay, so a huge thing we learned. You know, there was this huge cloud of mystery around getting an FSA ID for a parent without a social. Right. And we were told in July, and so at the trainings, if you were at a training, you probably heard us say, like, oh, there's all these ways you can get an FSA ID. You can use your I-10 number. You can do the transunion identity verification. I'm not going to say we were wrong, but the information changed that we weren't wrong. They told us, the things, it evolved into, now you can't use your I-10 number to get that employee identification number to get an FSA ID. So what are these parents going to do now? How, how are they going to do that if that option is off the table? Yeah.
1: So thankfully, you know, Federal Student Aid did recently a walkthrough of the FSA ID, the new FSA ID process that'll open up when the FAFSA opens up. Wait, is this going to be aired before the fast? This is before still, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. This is going out.
0: to be aired before the FAFSA yeah. open. Yes, it is. Okay. Where was I before I said that? I don't I wasn't listening.
1: Okay. You're just just leave
0: all this in, Lene. This yeah. is good yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Checking okay. my mail. So what, we, what
1: we've learned through a federal student aid walkthrough of this new FSAID process, it opens when the FAFSA does. Mm-hmm. If you're a parent without a social security number, you, you go to studentaid.gov, as if anyone would, you hit register, and, and you start filling out the information. When you get to the part that it actually asks for a social security number, there's a little box that's going to be added to that form that says, I, basically, I don't have a social. Mm-hmm. You click on that, and that's what's going to prompt this identity verification process to come through. And it's basically a partnership between TransUnion and Federal Student Aid. The best way I can describe it, y'all know those forms where it'll be like, our records show in 2019 you bought a car. What was the make and model of that car? That's the kind of stuff that this form will ask. Mm -hmm. And the way Federal Student Aid worded it was that most parents, when they go through that process, should be able to verify their identity through these questions. Even if
0: they don't have credit, because that was the big question, like, what if they don't have credit? you know different forms of credit supposedly right. they're still going to be able to do this.
1: Yeah, that was that was one of the big concerns I had. Well, what if you don't have a credit history, mm-hmm. you know, and that sort of thing. But right. yeah, that that was that was welcome news to hear that even without credit, you should be able in most cases be able to use this identity verification process. Right. Let's say if all else fails, let's say you go through the, that that process and they're unable to verify your identity, there's going to be another layer that's been announced from Federal Student Aid or essentially an undocumented parent would be making a call to federal student aid, mm-hmm. and it's very similar to the lockout process of any account. Yeah,
0: almost identical, yeah.
1: Yeah, so essentially they're going to try to you know verify as much as they can over the phone, but then they're mm-hmm. gonna send uh, like a form, and they would have to basically provide some documentation that shows you are who you are. Right. So some examples of that would be like a driver's license. Right. In Kentucky, for instance, you can get a driver's license without having a social security number. Mm-hmm. So that would be an example. They've talked about like municipality uh, identification, they've talked about utility bills, so there's like a State list. issued
0: identification mm-hmm. cards, yeah.
1: Yeah, so between all of those, that would be a way that someone without a social security number could theoretically set up their FSA ID. Right. With that said, there's one thing that that, you know, I've had some conversations with families and, and college access professionals over the last couple months about this particular change. I think that, you know, for anyone who helps families through this process, I think we need to be very mindful of how sensitive of an ask this is. Definitely. Uh, this is something that, that we've not required parents to do in the past who are undocumented without a social security number to set mm-hmm. up an FSA ID. So this is a brand new Put process. They
0: are personal information into a software system that
1: you know yeah is a federal government federal yeah. government form right? right it's
0: it's it can be anxiety provoking
1: sure so i think we just all need to be aware of that as we have these conversations throughout the state that that what we are actually asking a family to do mm-hmm. in this situation and we've even asked questions at some of these workshops and trainings you know over the last few months that that were hosted you know by by federal student aid about like what sort of messaging, you know, would be appropriate to to, to best right. you know deliver this message of, of the new rules with, with the FSA IDs. And what we've been told is to make sure we relay the information that the the FAFSA is secure, that it's mm-hmm. used for just financial aid purposes, that right. it's private information. They're not using it for anything, you know, beyond that. Still think it's something that, that's gonna, you know, require a lot of sensitivity and mm-hmm. patience through that process, but it's just gonna be something we have to get used to.
0: Right. The verbiage in the law, the legislation says, you know, you're submitting this information to be exclusively used for determination of financial aid awards, mm-hmm. financial aid eligibility. And so, you know, that's, that's, what the, the, that's what the Department of Ed is telling us. Mm-hmm. That should be what we, you know, that should be the messaging and the communication. So, we know it's going to be a sensitive topic. We're, you know, we're ready to counsel, so always refer people to your outreach counselor if you're, you know, if you have a parent who still feels, um, now, would I go out there and broadcast? Like, it's (laughs) safe, it's fine, just do it, like, no, but I think that I would Mm -hmm. feel comfortable counseling around that letter of the law. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So can you still use the I-10 number to do something, right? What is, what is that?
1: Yeah, so, so you can still theoretically, like let, let's back up and say, okay, what is the I-10? It's a tax identification number. It's given by the IRS to mm-hmm. allow folks without a social security number to still theoretically file taxes through the IRS. So let's say, okay, fast forward, uh, a parent who happens to be undocumented sets up this FSA ID through that identity verification process. Okay, great. Now we're ready to jump into the FAFSA itself. Well, like any parent, it's going to ask for consent and mm-hmm. approval to be able to use this new data, this direct data exchange, right. where it's pulling the IRS information, tax record uh, information onto the actual FAFSA. Replacing
0: the IRS data retrieval tool exactly. that we knew about in the exactly, yeah. and
1: and in most cases also replacing this idea of like manually going through your tax returns. So right. it's one of those things where I, I, I think once we get used to this process, it'll make things so much quicker and easier. Mm-hmm. But Theoretically, if a parent doesn't have a Social Security number, but they file taxes, they might have one of these I-10 numbers. So right. you can actually use that I-10 number to get this r- retrieved information from the IRS. Onto the and back,
0: if you're so. listening or you're watching, I-10. So it's ITIN. It's an um, Identity Individual Tax Identification Number. Uh, yep. yep. There it was. It was there. I didn't know it was there. It was, in, <laughs> it was stored in the recesses. <laughs> individual individual tax identification number
1: i'm 99 sure, sure. That that's
0: okay. what that first i is yeah <laughs> i tax identification number um uh, <laughs> okay so right so you can use that to participate in the direct data exchange pull those taxes in avoid having to put it in manually remember that manual entry is going to result in an incomplete fafsa so one of the changes that came down that um you know we got clarification on and we feel like need some clarification um for college access professionals is the parent that a student puts on their fafsa okay and so <laughs> we know that before this was confusing and now we're changed now the feds have changed it again and so we really want to be clear on the guidance we've gotten so students are going to identify a contributor a parent contributor to go on their FAFSA. If it is a situation of divorce, they are going to to look at who contributed the most financial support over the last year. Um, And that was kind of what we trained college access professionals on. Who gave the most support? But there's a second layer to this. In that when we determine who gave the most financial support, who provided the most financial support you cannot look at the household right. that provided the most financial support. You have to look at the biological parent who provided the most support. So if we're looking at it and we go, okay, here's mom and she's remarried and here's dad and he's remarried, um, who gave the mo- which parent, not which household, okay? So we like to use this example. M- mom is the primary students, is the primary residence. Now, in the 24-25 FAFSA, that doesn't matter. What matters is who gives the most financial support. Well, let's say this household is where the student lives and they're making six figures, yeah. but there's a biological dad out there um, and he's paying child support, okay? So let's say mom, biological mom doesn't work. Right. So then if you're looking at the individual biological parents, who contributes the, cr- contributes the most financial support? Well, it's gotta be dad if mom is not employed. Right,
1: because in that case, we're not looking at the step-parent's contribution Correct. and financial support. At this point in time, at that fork in the road, we are simply only looking at biological parent and
0: their financial contribution over the last year right and so if you hear this the way we heard it we had a moment where like a little bit of like steam came out of our ear (laughs) my glasses fogged up my steam um I spit my coffee out right um I won't reenact that for you guys (laughs) but we were very taken aback by this clarification and so we have checked double checked rechecked triple checked yeah. And it's it's all true, it's all legit. This is this is how we identify the parent contributor. Is you separate the the biological parent out of the household. You look yeah. at their financial contribution and then you go with whoever makes whoever provides 50% or more, then so let's identify as dad in the scenario that I was using. That's when we when we now file the FAFSA and we're contributing to the FAFSA, now we loop in stepmoms.
1: Mhm.
0: So it's essentially a
1: second fork in the road. So like right. the best way I can describe it is when you're trying to figure out which parent it is, you have to just like cut out everything else and just yeah. simply like zero in biological mom versus biological dad who provided the most financial support. Once you determine that, then the step parent, if they're remarried, would come into the equation. So there's that second, right? You know that second fork in the road. Whereas okay, if we're establishing mom or we're establishing dad, are they remarried? And at that point, that's when we start building, you know, bringing in. The step parent and their income information and, and the whole nine yards. Right. Yeah.
0: So we know that's confusing and and we know that's a change from what we even mentioned mm-hmm. when we were giving um, our trainings all semester. So you know definitely reach out to us with questions. I you know Keith and I are still open to um, you guys contacting us to ask us questions and clarification. And if it's something that we don't feel a hundred percent confident on, I can say this very confidently: if we don't know for certain we will hunt down the answer. Yeah. And we know because you guys have really put us <laughs> to the test. Yes. You have called us, you've emailed us, and you've said, well, you said that you can do this. Are you sure? And so anytime anyone says that, we go find the words in the law yeah. that FAFSA has put out there, that FSA has put out there, and we back up what we what we've been saying. And so, you know, we're happy to... To provide any further documentation or clarification on any of these things, you can always reach out to us. But before we go today, I wanted, Keith, to ask you about other sources of information. So, you know, college access professionals, are watching this, they're enjoying their coffee with us, (laughs) and then they say, um, that was great information, I want more. I want more help, more guidance to help my students out there. What you got for them?
1: Yeah. So, you know, more than anything, start with Kia Outreach Services. We have outreach counselors in every single corner of the state. No matter where you're standing at any point in the commonwealth, you're represented by a Kia Outreach counselor. And we're standing by, and we're ready, and we're willing, and we're able to help through any of this process. Uh, Our our Kia Outreach counselors are working hard, establishing FSAIDs at workshops, at, at high schools, and college campuses around the state and we're gonna continue that work when the FAFSA opens up with FAFSA workshops. Another thing that that we'll throw out there, even outside of the FAFSA landscape, just remember our Kia Outreach team, our outreach counselors are available to meet with current college students, to to be able to speak uh, at parents, adult students, mm -hmm. you name it. Anyone and everyone who has questions or would like to learn more about resources that are available in Kentucky to help make higher education, trade school, you name it, more affordable, Mm -hmm. we're here. We're here and available to help. All of our outreach counselors have contact information on kia.com. They can be called, you can text them. Uh, you know, we, we're on social media, pretty much anywhere and everywhere. So if there's ever anything that we can do to help, we're certainly
0: available. Absolutely, we've got um, a FAFSA walkthrough video. Yeah. So using the prototype, Keith walked through the FAFSA. Um, that's, that's on our okay. YouTube channel. We've got, if you go to kygoestocollege.com, and you go to Better FAFSA Training Center, there's all kinds of resources, YouTube videos you can share, ready-made, pre-written tweets, Instagram, Facebook graphics, uh, handouts you can use, everything that you might possibly need to support your students through this. It's all out there. Um, One thing also, in addition to the
1: KY Goes to College, like in terms of the the Better FAFSA Training Center, Mm -hmm. that's more geared toward college access professionals, uh, we also have uh, you know this new website called kyfafsa.org where essentially your students will be able to go through almost like a roadmap, like from start to finish. Brilliant. It'll like straight up ask, do you have an FSA ID? If not, here's a video on how to create it. Here's the link to go straight to studentaid.gov and, and jump right into that process. Who is a contributor? Am I dependent or independent? And basically it just walks them through start to finish. All the way, once they get to the end of this website, it'll be like, okay, it looks like you're ready to actually complete the FAFSA, and it'll have that walkthrough video that we've recorded and then a link straight to studentaid.gov to just jump right into it.
0: And what's that website,
1: Keith? It's kyfafsa.org, so this is a new landing page for this resource, it's a new resource that we're super excited about.
0: Yeah, awesome. Um, What final recommendations do we have for college access professionals before the FAFSA opens?
1: Well, you know, when you're going out there, just just remember that, that, you know, as we go through this FAFSA process itself, can't stress enough the importance of shining a light on that FSAID change, making sure that we try to encourage as many families as possible to set that up ahead of time. It'll make Mm -hmm. their life and everyone's life a lot easier when it comes to actually completing the FAFSA. And then also, you know, in in that same regard, uh, when it comes to actually uh, sitting down and completing the FAFSA itself, just make sure... I lost my train of thought. What was I about to say, Cassie? <laughs> you were going to say... <laughs> this
0: coffee I couldn't is... have said it better myself. This Ca- coffee is yeah. delicious. <laughs> Let me start that part over.
1: I was going to talk about FSA IDs. There was something else that I was going to say. So you
0: go through the process. <laughs> do, 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 do. do.
1: All right, let me just start that part over. getting older for yeah. 300 hours. Right. Yes. <laughs> right, can you ask me the question again?
0: Sorry. No. Um, what was the question?
1: <laughs> Lord have mercy. Okay.
0: All right, Keith, to wrap it up, what final recommendations do we have for our college access professionals out there before the FAFSA opens?
1: For me, Cassie, I, I can't stress enough the idea of help us encourage as many families as possible to create their FSA ID ahead of time if they can do that it's going to make their life a lot easier when they go into the actual fafsa that way they already have their identity verified and they'll be able to use that data exchange by granting consent to have irs information fill out most of this form for us so we might as well utilize this new technique the other thing is you know help spread the word about some of the changes you know if you have current college students on campus who used to get a pell grant because of things like that sibling discount going away or they're no longer eligible for a pell grant because mm-hmm. of these new fafsa changes remember the feds have given a little more wiggle room this year right. to help students through that that process they have given the green light to do things like professional judgment appeals i know we're going to be spreading the word you know not so much to paint anyone into a corner and say you know cross the board here's a magic wand and you know one size fits all but just know that if a student on your college campus no longer gets that Pell Grant, our advice is to have them reach out to the financial aid office and at least let them know about the situation and, and see what can be potentially done about it.
0: Absolutely. What about
1: you Cass, what, what do you
0: think? I think that for college access professionals specifically, please keep in mind we've done this before. Yeah. We have gone through FAFSA changes, we've gone through Earth-shattering, groundbreaking, life-changing FAFSA changes, and we're still here. Yeah, we're okay. Our kids are still going to college. It's okay. So we're going to get through this. It may be muddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it may be tough, but we're walking it together. And Kia's is here to help you. And so we will get through this FAFSA cycle the same way we've gotten through all yeah. the others. And
1: to be totally honest, little nostalgic about this idea of January FAFSA. Work. Right? Once again, it kind of reminds me of the old days.
0: I know. <laughs> I want to file and maybe have snow days again. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> awesome. So yeah, so, um, lots of good information here but we have more information so reach out to us if you if you need help if you need more guidance if you need additional support for your students we're always here um we hope that you will join us next time on coffee with kia where we try and remember what we were going to say to you um (laughs) and you know may or may not ever remember it uh thank you so much we're here to help and thank you for uh, joining us for your coffee with Kia.
1: Cheers.